0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. Australia is ageing rapidly and our country will look very different by the turn of this century. That's a prediction laid out in the government's latest intergenerational report, which forecasts the state of the nation. So, what vision does Labor have in guiding Australia into the future? And how urgently are they addressing these issues? Today, contributing editor to The Monthly, Rachel Withers, on what she learned at Labor's conference about their plans for the future. It's Friday, August twenty-five. Rachel, you've just been at Labor's conference in Brisbane last weekend. Can you tell me what actually happens there, who goes and why it's considered such a big deal?
1: Yeah, so Labor's national conference is the party's highest decision-making forum, where all the states and territory branches get together to, in theory, decide Labor's official policy platform. It's kind of like Christmas for the Labor Party, um, (laughs) although it only takes place once every three years. The conference is attended by all senior party people, by the MPs, all the unions, the factions, as well as around 400 delegates who are elected uh, by the rank and file to represent their views on the conference floor. Plus a whole bunch of other party members come along as observers and to drink and meet with their faction mates. Um, And there are also fringe events where internal interest groups and external NGOs come along to have stalls and put on panels and seminars. So it's quite a big deal to the Labor Party. Uh, This conference they just had in Brisbane was the first one they've had in person since 2018 because of the pandemic and the first one they've had in government since 2011. So it was a highly anticipated event for political junkies, although probably not necessarily for (laughs) your average punter. Um, And Labor conferences can be, or at least used to be, really fiery affairs You had these genuinely tense debates happen in the 80s, for example, when Bob Hawke was leading the party.
0: Right. And at the centre of this conference was the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. What was he hoping to achieve going into it?
2: Delegates, 15 months ago, the people of Australia put their trust in our Labor government.
1: So he spoke a lot about The Voice, as he does at the moment, and how proud Labor Party people should be about their advocacy of that.
2: All of us can be proud that we belong to a movement campaigning for a yes vote in this year's referendum and our whole nation will be lifted up.
1: He talked about wanting to stay in office and win the next election.
2: Today, each of us understands that winning and holding government is not only true to our principles, it's actually essential to fulfilling them.
1: And he also acknowledged all the members who come to this event and said that's why he's here.
2: And to the true believers, here representing our extraordinary Labor rank and file, your dedication gives us all strength. My colleagues and I stand on your shoulders and we thank you.
0: Right, and in the lead up to the conference, you were talking to rank and file members, people from different interest groups. Who did you speak to and what were they hoping to get out of going?
1: Yeah, so I was following this quite closely in the lead up to find out what amendments to the platform were being proposed and by whom and what chance they had of actually getting up. There are quite a few special interest groups within Labor who usually seek to push their agenda. You have groups like Labor for Refugees who advocate for more humane asylum seeker policies or the Labor Environmental Action Network, otherwise known as LEAN, Uh, who advocate on environmental issues. Um, And I guess you could say these are like the quote-unquote Greens inside Labor. There was reporting showing that Labor for Refugees wanted a royal commission into the cost of our mandatory detention system, while Lean wanted a ban on native forest logging. And I was especially interested in a couple of motions uh, on housing that were being flagged. First, by a young socialist left delegate named Juliana Todorovic, who is the convener of Labor for Housing, who announced in May that she wanted to get negative gearing reform on the agenda. We treat housing as an investment in this country and not the human right that it is. And until we actually deal with tax reform, I don't think we're
0: ever going to be able to meaningfully deal with housing affordability. Uh,
1: And then more recently by the new CFMEU boss, Zach Smith, who used a speech to the National Press Club uh, to announce his push for a tax on big corporations' profits, which would be used to fund a huge boost in social and affordable housing. We can't keep telling people who are struggling that corporate super profits are off limit. We just can't. Right now, we're not just in a housing crisis, we're in a very real cost of living crisis. And Smith argued there was a real appetite for this, and the CFMEU actually put on a huge rally on the first morning of the conference. C-F-M-U. The money exists, the wealth exists. But it doesn't exist in ordinary Australian households. It exists in the profit columns of a very small and very elite group of corporations. The other interesting thing to note was that the left faction had a majority of the delegates on the floor this time, something that reportedly hasn't happened since 1979. Uh, Anthony Albanese is himself from the left, um, although he purportedly doesn't do much factional stuff these days uh, because he's busy being Prime Minister. So, you know, it really feels like this is a moment for big ideas and big debates. Labor did win the last election with a small target strategy, but we're now in this cost of living crisis on top of our housing and climate and inequality and debt crises. And so all of these issues actually feel even more relevant this week with the government releasing its latest intergenerational report, which predicts our population is ageing rapidly and that's going to add some serious pressures to the budget in terms of health and aged care, uh, with less money coming in from tax from people working. And so, you know, the conditions were perfect for Albanese to do something really bold here if he wanted to.
0: So, which bold ideas got up? That's next, after the break. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Rachel, you spoke with a number of people from the left of the Labor Party who were going to conference with some really big ideas that they wanted to debate, things
1: like housing. Did any of those debates happen? Sort of. Um, So these ideas were definitely debated somewhere. But despite the Labor leadership's constant boasts that they are the only party that does this out in the open, most of the real debate happens ahead of time, behind closed doors. So these days most delegates negotiate with the government and other factions to massage their motions to a point where they can be passed, ideally without the need for a vote. Um, It's all about consensus and compromise and actually getting something into the platform which means in practice uh, that they generally watered down their motions quite a bit. So these negotiations take place over weeks. Some of them were only settled the night before the conference. But almost everything that went to the floor passed, as everybody knew it would. For example, the tax on big corporations' profits became a vague commitment to a, quote, progressive and sustainable tax system, including corporate tax reform. Although Zach Smith still spoke passionately about a super profits tax as he spoke to the amendment, so people knew what he meant. Negative gearing reform became a commitment to look at intergenerational inequality and tax, uh, which was seconded by the housing minister. So Juliana and Zach got their point across, um, and they can point to these wins, but they don't actually have anything concrete to hold the government to in terms of policy. In fact, we've already seen government sources this week rule out any major tax reform this term in response to the intergenerational report.
0: So did you talk to the delegates afterwards? What were they saying about how they felt it went?
1: Yeah, these delegates were hot property after their motions were passed, but I did manage to track them down. Um, I spoke with Juliana After her motions passed and asked how she felt about how it had all gone. First of all, how how do you feel about how conference Uh, has gone for you and your goals? Um, We got a lot further than I thought we were going to get. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I think we've seen some.
1: And she said that she got much more than she expected and really talked up the need for party unity. But there were some obvious disappointments. I guess, are you disappointed the left wasn't able to get more considering you had a majority? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ask okay. <laughs> and so, you know, being around at this conference, um, everything very much went to plan. Nothing happened that wasn't meant to happen. No surprise motions, no debates or votes that were lost by the government. And, it, you know, it really did seem like a very stage managed event. And I was told by people who've been around the Labor Party for a long time that it had actually driven any sense of momentum out of the conference.
0: So the conference was overrepresented by the Labour left faction and yet they didn't really use that leverage to get more progressive policies debated.
1: Why was that? Yeah, I guess we have to wonder, does Labour's left still exist and what state is it in? Um, Or has it been completely subsumed by Anthony Albanese, who is in theory the leader of the faction but also the leader of the government?
2: We seek long-term government because it's the difference of whether we shape the future or the future shapes us. All of this depends, of course, on bringing people with us on the journey, earning and repaying people's trust.
1: We've been hearing from Anthony Albanese for some time that he wants to be a long-term government. Um, You know, he's got his eyes on the prize of 2025 um, and it's all about this long-term strategy where you don't do anything too dramatic, to upset the electorate, to, you know, scare the horses.
2: Now, this may not always grab every headline. It mightn't suit the agenda of those who prefer protest to progress, who imagine that grand gestures and bold declarations are better than the patient work of ensuring lasting change.
1: And so even though he is from the left and obviously the left would traditionally like things to move a little bit faster, um, he has managed to convince everyone around to his way of looking at things, which is um, that we can't, yeah, we can't do anything too big this term. And so, you know, I think the overwhelming message of of this conference um, and the leadership at the moment is don't rock the boat. And this is actually the vibe of a lot of the people from the left who I spoke to. While they all said they got more than they expected, it's clear none of them got what they actually wanted. And they all felt like they couldn't really push for more and in many cases just accepted that there wouldn't be debates on issues they really cared about because it would be too damaging for a first-term government to do that publicly. Mm. I think we we did the best that we could as a first-term government.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I think that
0: after nine years, trying to unwind the last nine years, we are petrified of going backwards Mm. and we've seen the damage
1: that it's caused with nine years without Labor being in government. I
0: think we
1: But I wonder if the left may have passed up its best opportunity to control the agenda and to get things such as a ban on native forest logging and a super profits tax locked into the platform.
0: Do you think it shows that Anthony Albanese actually has full control of the party and that even if people don't agree with him on every issue, they are willing to fall in line because they trust his judgement.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people do trust his judgement and a lot of people in Labor are also still really, really scarred by what happened in 2019 uh, and 2016 and all the other years they lost elections. (laughs) But, um, you know, they have put forward ambitious agendas before and they have lost those elections and the party believes it's because of uh, some of those... More ambitious economic reforms that they put on the table. And so they are very, very reticent to go anywhere near anything like that again. But I will say I did sense some frustration from some sort of left power brokers or former power brokers who are frustrated about the real lack of momentum and lack of energy in the party right now. Rachel, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Ange.
0: Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Mementa. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today... The federal government has delivered a clearer look at what the next 40 years of Australian life might look like in its first intergenerational report. The report warns of how an ageing population and sliding birth rate will impact the economy as Australians become more reliant on the care sector. It also predicts that higher temperatures could wipe away anywhere between $135 to $420 billion in productivity over the next four decades. And the first debate of the Republican presidential primaries has taken place, with former President Donald Trump opting not to attend. Instead, Trump sat for a pre-recorded interview with former Fox News commentator Tucker Carlson, which was published online right as the debate began. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Kara Jensen-McKinnon, Zoltan Fetjo, Shane Anderson, Yo Chung, and Sam Loy. Our senior producer is Chris Dengate. Our technical producer is Atticus Bastow. Our editor is Scott Mitchell. Sarah McVie is our head of audio. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Mixing by Andy Elston, Travis Evans and Atticus Bastow. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. From Shorts Media, I'm Ange McCormack. See you next week.